Hello, and welcome to KaneCast, a podcast that provides commentary on the economy and financial markets by the Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management Team. Hello, this is Ben Falcone, Managing Director with Kane Anderson Rudnick. And with me today, I have Doug Foreman, Co-Chief Investment Officer of KAR. Doug, the fourth quarter brought about strong returns to close out 2023. Can you provide our listeners with your perspective on this robust performance? Well, Ben, the fourth quarter of this year certainly brought about fantastic returns of of the double-digit nature in the S&P 500 as we closed out 2023. I think the key catalyst or trigger for this was the October CPI report, which was reported in roughly the middle of November, uh, which sort of indicated that inflation was well under control and potentially already at or below the Fed's target. If you pulled shelter out of the calculation of CPI in the October uh, month, what you saw was, and, and shelter, by the way, is done in a very convoluted way in terms of how it's calculated, and it's 31% plus of the index. So it's very important to the calculation, and it's really been distorted and too high, in my opinion. So, But if you pull that out, what you saw was the rest of the components in the CPI were actually up about 1.5% year over year, well below the Fed's target already. And we've continued to see relatively benign inflation data. So I think that was really the wake-up call for the market. There were a couple wake-up calls during the course of the year. And this was, I think, another one where in the inflation bears and people concerned about, you know, inflation not being tame and the Fed having to continue to keep rates higher for longer. I think that argument is increasingly being shot to pieces by the marketplace. And of course, what you see is once that once investors start to figure this out, which they are, the market will start to react immediately. The two-year yields have been falling. Uh, they fell about 75 basis points during the course of the quarter. Long yields also decline both the 10 and the 30 year as well. So the markets will start to adjust uh, despite the Fed's rhetoric about what they're going to do or not do, whether they're going to cut in March or not cut in March, whether they're going to be higher for longer or more accommodative. And the Fed really acknowledged this, I think, with the testimony of uh, Chairman Powell in the December time period as well, that big progress has been made on the inflation front. So as I've mentioned in many of, to many of my clients, you know, I, I believe that the inflation was really driven primarily by COVID and the cause of COVID creating all kinds of supply chain disruptions around the globe, uh, both in China and other large manufacturing places around the globe. And that really, that's really what these dislocations are what drove the inflation rate up. And the labor and the labor rates that people are worried about going forward, I think, are really labor is a is a lagging indicator in financial markets. It always has been. Laying people off, hiring people, it's always the last thing a business does. When business gets better, businesses are hesitant to hire people. And when businesses fall apart, they're hesitant to fire people because it's expensive and training's involved, etc. There's investment in people. So that's not the first thing businesses want to do. It's the last thing that businesses want to do. And same thing with the wages and wage response. You know, a lot of wage increases were more significant over the last year and a half. And that was really in response to the inflation that was created during this COVID supply chain uh, induced inflationary trend that we saw over the last two to three years. So that's really the key for the fourth quarter and what what happened uh, as we closed out 2023. Doug, the fourth quarter also saw the market's performance come from broader areas, not just confined to the Magnificent Seven and AI, which drove returns for the prior nine months. 
Does this bode well for markets heading into the new year? And what do you expect will be the primary catalyst for equity markets performance going into 2024? Additionally, Ben, what we saw was the market performance wasn't just a Magnificent Seven, which the first nine months of the year really drove, I think, even more than 100% of the S&P 500 uh, returns for the year in the first nine months of the year. So breath started to improve. And I think the reason for this is simple, short rates falling. You know, the timing of what the Fed's going to do in 2024 is highly uncertain. We don't know how many rate cuts they're going to do, and we don't know when they're going to start. Uh, lots of people think it'll be March. Some people think it'll be June, etc. To me, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is that the hiking cycle's over and that rates will be more benign moving forward. Whether they come down a lot or a little is debatable. Time will tell. But they're not going up anymore. And that combined with the fact that corporate earnings and corporate profitability has hung in there pretty well and margins actually trot in the first quarter of 2023 and have been improving steadily since then uh, due to falling input costs for many businesses uh, because of the inflationary trend that we mentioned earlier, which is benign. Um, so a lot of companies are seeing an improvement. And then the other thing that happened is once the headwind of higher rates starts to subside, which it seems very likely that that's going to happen over the next year or two, then, you know, more average companies, which the index is comprised of the other 493 companies in the S&P 500, not to mention small and mid-cap stocks, can start to perform better if there's not a major headwind coming from interest rates. Because, you know, small, medium-sized companies, they need financing typically to, to finance their growth need capital to grow. And as the cost of capital goes up, obviously, it makes their cost of doing business more expensive and more difficult. So I think the key, the real key for a sustained movement and improvement in breadth and a big breakout in small and mid-cap stocks is to get the yield curve uninverted, at least flat, if not positively sloped. And I think this will take some time, you know, because it is dependent somewhat on the Fed, particularly on the, how they control short-term rates. And remember, the Fed does not control long-term rates, but they do control short-term rates. And we need to get the yield curve back to more positively shaped and at least flat. It's been heading in that direction over the last six to nine months. It peaked out at minus 120 and the spread between the two-year and the 10-year. And uh, as I'm speaking today, is down to about 35 basis points. So it's, it's heading in the right direction. Uh, but once that gets flat and uninverts, then I think you'll really see a dramatic improvement in breadth. And that doesn't mean the Magnificent Seven aren't stocks that you don't want to own long term. It just means that the market will have other options besides those seven, which for the first nine months of 2023, in a headwind interest rate environment with still lots of concerns about inflation, wasn't really, uh, investors weren't really able to broaden out their holdings and they were just comfortable sitting in those seven, you know, wonderfully positioned companies. Doug, 2023 began with early consensus expectations of a recession and ended with consensus expectations of a soft landing and the Fed loosening rates in 2024. What is your current outlook for the economy over the next year? Ben, the outlook for 2024 is a little trickier because I, I feel like I'm more like consensus here than I was at the end of 2023. When we came into 2023, there was universal opinion. I mean, taxi cab drivers, professional athletes, you could talk to anybody, and they fully expected a recession in 2023. And obviously that didn't materialize, which is why stock prices rebounded and did so well in 2023, because the stocks were priced for a recession that never materialized in 2023. 2024 is a little trickier. Sediment isn't as negative. 
there are more people have been converted, particularly given the, the inflation data that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. So people are much more positive. They're not, I don't want to sit here and tell you that they're bullish because most people still aren't really bullish. They're sort of reluctantly bullish, I would say, right now. So sediment isn't a huge negative as we move into 2024. But I think the outlook uh, that, that I would have is that things are going to get back to more normal, uh, assuming there isn't another COVID outbreak or some crazy black swan event, but things should get back to more normal. Supply chain disruptions have largely disappeared. All kinds of issues in many uh, businesses have disappeared. So it should be business back to usual, back to normal. Growth rates will still be difficult uh, because the cost of capital is still high. Uh, It should be coming down during the course of 2024 at what rate and magnitude, we don't really know, but it should be heading in the right direction. So if earnings are going to grow at, say, a high single-digit or low double-digit rate into next year, and rates are going to be flat to down, and down how much, we don't know, but down at the short end of the curve, particularly, and the yield curve is going to uninvert, then I think the market will continue to deliver decent returns. Not as robust as 2023. I mean, the S&P up 20% plus in, the S, uh, in 2023, really extraordinary returns. But it should be at least in line with the underlying earnings growth. Doug, 2024 looks to be a contentious election year as well in the U.S. What impact do you think this will have on markets? Now, 2024 isn't without its challenges. One of the challenges is an election. This promises, I'm sure, to be a contentious election. The last one was, the last couple ones have been, actually. And I think uh, this has the potential to continue to be that contentious as well. But it'll, it'll happen, it'll get done, and the markets will move on just like they always do after an election. What typically happens in the impact of an election on, on investors is you, you frequently can get a little short-term weakness in the two to three months before the election actually occurs as people move to the sidelines and are uncertain about who's going to win the election. And there's a lot of noise that's being created by both candidates and both parties. So a lot of investors choose to sit on the sidelines hoping that they can buy the market back cheaper uh, after the election's over. And what typically happens in my experience is regardless of who gets elected, the market ends up going higher because that uncertainty of who's going to be in office is now done and now eliminated. So as the uncertainty clears up, stock prices react positively typically. And uh, the investors that move to the sideline before the election typically buy in higher after the election. So it really doesn't serve you any well, any purpose uh, other than paying taxes to to try to make a move like that. Very difficult to, to get anything out of that. So yes, it'll create some volatility, but will it mean anything over a six to 12 month time period? Not really, in my opinion. So Anyway, I wish everyone a happy new year, and I hope you had a great holidays with your family and friends and uh, wonderful celebrations. And uh, here's to a better um, and improving 2024. Thank you very much. Bye. Doug, thanks as always for taking your time to provide insight to our KaneCast listeners. You've just listened to KaneCast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. For more of our investing insights, head over to our website, www.kane.com. KaneCast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management, CAR. This material is provided as a matter of general information and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast or research. The opinions expressed herein are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the opinions of CAR or its affiliates, are current as of the date and time of the recording, and are subject to change at any time due to changes in market or economic conditions. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by CAR to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive. 
CAR does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of this information. This communication should not be construed as an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. To the extent any performance is discussed, past performance is not indicative of future results.